Today's reading is from 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 13. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witness, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that you have received the word of God, which you have heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning and uh, happy new year. Okay. All right. Good to see you. Um, As John said, uh, I uh, have the privilege of leading our Redemption Gateway congregation, which next Sunday will be our eighth anniversary uh, for that church that we planted. And um, it's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, It's fun to be uh, at this high school and just really cool to see how uh, so many of the the crew and just the different people have worked to help make this a place that really works for church. It reminds me of the high school that we met in in the early days of our church. And uh, one thing that's really cool is uh, here early this morning, uh, there were a bunch of people hauling in a bunch of these big black cases filled with equipment. Some of you maybe will be part of the team that helps haul those out and back to a trailer. Well, those cases and that trailer actually were the cases and trailer that we used when we first started our church um, eight years ago, which were uh, paid for by gifts that people from Redemption Gilbert had given. And so I just think it's cool to see how uh, we really are better together. We talk about that a lot, that part of Redemption Church means that we can all help one another. And uh, you maybe don't experience that in as tangible of a way all the time, but um, it's really cool to see some of those old uh, things and go, hey, they, they have a new life. And so that's really, really cool. So greetings from Redemption Gateway, and uh, I'm glad to be with you this morning. Um, I assume, I'm going to make an assumption today that I don't always make when I preach, but I'm going to make a little bit of an assumption today since it's January 1st, that if you are the kind of person that comes to church in the morning on January 1st, you are here because you want to grow. Uh, because I assume there's typically more people in the seats than there are right now. And so I'm just going to assume that, like, basically there's two kinds of people here today. There are, like, the SEAL Team 6 Christians who are like, you know, I'm going to take this year by storm, and I'm going to grow in my faith, and we're going to see what God does. And then there are their prisoners of war. 
who they have drugged with them to come. So, so I don't know which of those you are. I'm, I'm going to make an assumption that many of you are in the SEAL Team 6 group. Um, but but th- that's, that's kind of what we're going to look at today is how do we grow in our faith? What are the ingredients that have to happen for us to grow? Um, and so I'm going to tell you today about these four T's. And each of these T's are, are something that have helped me, even though I didn't know it, even though I didn't focus on it at the time, um, they've helped me over the last 20 years. I, I became a Christian in high school. I, I realize I've now been a Christian 20 years. And these four T's have all been essential in my growth, even when I wasn't focused on them. These four T's also, I realize, ha- have been there, even though today we're talking about it kind of from a, from a spiritual perspective. These four T's have been there in some way, shape, or form with every great mentor or coach or teacher that I've ever had my whole life. I, th- I was an athlete. I played baseball. A lot of the coaches that I look back on and I respect, I think about, what, how did they make such a big impact on me? It was these four T's. I'm a dad. I have uh, four kids. I've got three daughters. I was a minority in a sorority for a while. And then uh, Abby's 10, Caitlin's 8, uh, Mary is 2. And then just a few months ago, three months ago, I looked down and it was a baby boy. And so we now have a baby boy. His name's Hank. So I'm a father of four kids. And as I think about being a dad, the approach that I take to parenting is these four T's. As I think about being a leader, right? Some of you are leaders of a school or you're leaders in a business or you're leaders because you coach or you lead a family or you lead an organization. Maybe you're a leader in a church. You're a leader of a redemption community here. These four T's are essential for helping the people that you lead develop and grow. And most of all, these four T's are present. They come right out of this passage that we see here in 1 Thessalonians 2 where the Apostle Paul uh, really describes his approach to leadership, describes his approach to ministry, describes how he helps people grow. So these four T's that you see there on the screen are truth, touch, tension, and time. And what I want to do is just look in this passage at each of those. Now, before we get into that, I want to give you just a tiny bit of background on the book of 1 Thessalonians since we haven't been studying through it, and I never like to just go to a portion of Scripture and just rip it open. I I want to have some sense of what's going on. And so the the church in Thessalonica uh, was planted by Paul, Timothy, and Silas. You can read about this in Acts chapter 17. Uh, Paul, Timothy, and Silas were traveling around, and they were helping start new churches. We always talk about the Apostle Paul starting all these churches. He never did it alone. It was always part of a team. And this team of guys went to Thessalonica, and they started this new church. Now, they were in Thessalonica only for about three or four weeks. It was a very brief period of time that they were there, and they preached the gospel. And what happened is what always happens whenever Paul and his group showed up to preach the gospel. Some people really received it, and some people got really angry. Now, in Thessalonica, they got angry faster than in some of the other places. And so if you read in Acts 17, you see that they get kicked out of Thessalonica pretty quickly um, because of the persecution and the opposition that's there. But Paul didn't lose his love for those people. Uh, And in fact, he sent Timothy back to check in and see how they were doing. He did that later. And then he writes them, 1 Thessalonians, because he cares about them. And then he writes another letter, the next book after this, which is Second Thessalonians. And so Paul has this affection. And a lot of commentators have pointed out that First Thessalonians really is one of the most sort of personal, uh, warm letters of the Apostle Paul. And in chapter 2, he describes his whole approach to his ministry with them, and I think uh, to how we can help one another grow as well. So 
I'm assuming you're here today because you want to grow in 2017. And I'm assuming that you're here because you want to help other people grow in 2017. And if you want to do that, these four T's will be crucial. So the first one is truth. Truth. We don't grow without the truth. If we live in the realm of of fantasy or of uh, what we wish were the case, we don't grow. We need the truth. And we don't just need truthful content. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we also need to have truthful motives. We need people around us who truly, honestly care for us. And Paul goes out of his way at the first part of 1 Thessalonians 2 to describe the truthful motives that he had. If you have your Bible, look with me again. Uh, beginning in verse 2. He says, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. He's saying, we, we weren't trying to just use you. We weren't trying to pull a fast one on you. We really care about you. Verse 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Paul begins by saying, listen, our motives were truthful. And you need people around you who have good motives. They're not in it, right? Paul says, I'm not in it for the money. I didn't do this for greed. I didn't do this to just get kind of people's affection. I didn't flatter them. I didn't do it to please man. He said, I I did it because I was called by God. In verse 7, because I really love you. So it begins with truthful motives. But it doesn't start there. If we're going to grow, we don't just need people with truthful motives. We need people around us who are going to help us understand the truth. We need to be people who are open to receiving and pursuing and giving the truth. And specifically, the truth that Paul describes in this passage. He describes it four times. Did you notice four times he describes his message? And the word he uses to describe it is the gospel. He says in verse 2, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. Verse 4, we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Verse 9, you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. What was Paul's message about the gospel? Right? Maybe you've been around redemption a while, and, and you've kind of picked up on that we talk a lot about the gospel, and, and that we don't think the gospel is just for the way kind of into the family of God, but it's actually the nourishment that all the people in the family of God continue to need for their whole Christian life. And you may go, gosh, isn't that sort of elementary, or why do they do that? Or, or maybe you've heard the phrase, I think John mentioned it, we're gospel-centered and we're outward-focused. Well, why do we say that? Is that... Well, that's kind of trendy in church world, or no. It's because it's right there. The message that we need is the gospel. The truth we need is the gospel. Now, get this. This is so important. The gospel is not advice, it's news. 
The, the word gospel means good news. Now think about this. What's the difference between advice and news? Because the gospel's news. It's not advice. What's advice? Advice is, you know, I've been thinking and you really ought to try this. You know, here's the principle that worked for me. Why don't you take a run at it? Advice is you should, you ought, why don't you try? That's advice. And that is the, we're just surrounded by advice, aren't we? Right? And if you, whatever resolutions you're making this year, you can find lots of advice to help you do a better job with it. Right? And, but we are often crushed by advice. It's just overwhelming. There's, there's so much of it, and it's so hard to accomplish. It's so hard to do. And some of you have thought that Christianity was advice. It's not. It's news. News. News is not, hey, you ought to. News is, here's what happened. News is, something took place. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you embrace it or not, this is an event that happened. That's the gospel. That's news. Well, what is the, what's the message? What's the news? What's the announcement of the gospel? It is that God made us in his image, and even though we rebelled against him, even though we didn't want anything to do with him, we wanted life apart from him, God continued to pursue humanity. He continued to pursue us through the nation of Israel. He continued to pursue us through prophets and through his word. But most of all, he pursued us in his son, Jesus, coming in the flesh. That's what we just celebrated with Christmas. That Jesus came, born of a virgin, God himself taking on humanity, living a perfectly obedient life that none of us could, teaching us and announcing us and previewing for us what life is like in his kingdom. Jesus being willing to go to the cross to die for our sins, for our fear, for our guilt, for our shame, to die in our place as our substitute. Jesus was buried Jesus rose. We just sang about it. Christ is risen from the grave. That's, that's news. That's not advice. Uh, Christ is risen from the, news, from the dead. That's not, okay, advice. That's, that's news. And Christ is coming back to make all things new. That's the gospel. And Paul says, that was the truth of my message. That's what you had to hear. Listen, you are not going to grow in your faith without the truth of the news of the gospel. That's why we say here, the gospel's not just the milk of Christianity, it's the meat. It's not just the ABCs, it's the A to Z. We constantly need the gospel. We need it in church on Sunday. We need it in our small groups. We need it one to another. We need to speak and announce the truth of the gospel because we're overwhelmed. We're crushed by the advice, right? Advice says, hey, clean up your life. News says Jesus makes you clean. Advice says work harder, be disciplined. News says Jesus gives you power you didn't have. Advice says just stop worrying. Just stop being anxious. Anyone ever tried that? How'd that go? That's impossible. I, I had a, a, a time the other uh, couple months ago, I, and I woke up about 2.15 in the morning, and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, just anxious. And I just keep going, okay, stop it. Stop. Stop. Anyone think I stopped? 
being anxious. You, you don't just stop being anxious. You, that has to be replaced. That anxiety has to be replaced by something else. And the only thing that began to help, and even then it was still really, really hard, was the news. Don't just stop be worrying, but remember God's in control. Remember God loves me. Remember God is good. Remember God's got this. Worrying is just praying to myself. But if I can worry in God's direction, oh, okay, I can do that because I know the news that he's in control. Right? Advice says obey because you should. Obey because you ought to. The good news of the gospel says obey because you enjoy more of God that way. You get to. We need the truth of the gospel. And this, uh, this means we receive the word of God as it really is. Not just advice, but words from God. And this is something Paul commends the Thessalonians for. Look at verse 13. He says, and we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That's what we believe, that this book, which is a collection of letters and books and poetry, is the very words of God. Now, there's a lot of analogies that the scriptures use to describe the word of God. There's a lot of different things you could think of, but two that come to mind pretty quickly that are used quite a bit. One is the light. The word of God is described like light, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? Another one, so there's light. Another one is bread. Jesus is being tempted in Matthew 4 by Satan. And, and Satan says, hey, why don't you, you're hungry, you've been fasting, why don't you turn these breads or these stones into bread? And Jesus says, no, because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, God's word is my true bread. Here's my question. When I think about how we need the truth if we're going to grow. How much how long would you stay alive if you had no light and no bread? Some of you are like, well, actually, one of my New Year's resolutions is to not eat bread anymore. Okay, I'm not talking about just bread. I'm not talking about empty carbohydrates. I'm talking about food, right? How long could you live in total darkness and no food? Not long. And yet, how many Christians are trying to grow in their faith without the light of the truth of the gospel, and without the bread of the truth of God's word. If you want to grow, you need the truth. I, I think about this with leadership a lot. Uh, uh, you know, some of you are leaders in a variety of capacities. I, I lead a congregation. I lead a staff. Um, I coach other leaders. And I think about leadership basically consisting of three parts. Leadership is, uh, is defining reality. What's current reality right now? The second part is leadership is dreaming a preferred future. And third, leadership is designing the path for how we get from our, you know, our current reality to our preferred future. That's what leadership is. Right? If you're trying to lead yourself, that's what leadership is. Define reality, dream a preferred future, design the path to get there. If you're trying to lead a family, if you're trying to lead a business, if you're trying to lead a team, if you're trying to lead a church, that's what it is. So get this, how are you going to lead yourself? How are you going to lead anyone else without the reality of God's word? Without the truth 
If you can't define reality, you can't lead yourself, you can't lead anyone else, you can't grow. We need the truth. Now, the second thing we need that we see in this passage is we need touch. We need touch. Up to this point, some of you are like, yes, I love the truth. I love, yeah, I I like, I like the truth. We just need to know the truth. Okay, well, this next part's for you. Because Paul says it isn't just about knowing the truth and speaking the truth and being bold. He says the way people grow is actually also through touch. It's through tenderness. It's through care. Look at what he says in verse 6. He says, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Now get this, you'll see this more when we study the book of Acts, but the apostles of Christ specifically were people who had seen Jesus personally. They had seen the resurrected Jesus, and they were commissioned in his name to do his mission. Right, So that's a high level of authority. That's more authority than any pastor or any elder team or any... uh, you know, Tyler Johnson, who leads the, you know, all the different redemption congregations, like, that's a lot of authority. And Paul says, I could have made demands with that authority, but I didn't. Look at what he says in verse 7. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Man, what an image. A nursing mother. This is a real vivid image for me because, as I said, we've got our three-month-old baby. Right? And every day I see the tenderness of a nursing mother. Right? I see her as she cares for her boy, as she feeds him, as she helps him, as she speaks tenderly to him. And that's just to me. I'm not even talking about our baby. Right? <laughs> and then she has to care of a real baby. Right? She's got two baby boys in the house. One's just bigger. Right? And she just she cares for him, and he can't help himself, and he can't feed himself, and he can't nurture himself, and she does it, and it's gentle. Right? He'll cry, and he'll scream, and she just loves him, and she's patient, and she's, there's touch. We grow not just by having the right information, not just by having the right truth, but by having people deliver that to us with a hug, with a high five, with a hand on the shoulder, with touch. Look at how else Paul describes this in verse 8. He says, so, being affectionately desirous of you. Right? These are people he had just met. He didn't know them. He didn't have all this great history, but they were united in Christ, and he loved them. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Hey, it's one thing to proclaim truth and to dispense information. It's another thing to give of yourself. To disclose yourself, to be vulnerable, to be tender, to be weak. As I look back at the coaches that I remember having such a profound impact on me, the stories that I tell that are funny are the stories about them being tough, the stories about them being harsh. Those are the funny stories. But the reason I was willing to embrace those hard things was because I knew they cared. The, the pastor who actually first taught me these four T's is uh, now the lead pastor at Redemption Gilbert. His name's Tim Mon. And I remember uh, being early on in ministry, I think I had just been hired on staff 
I think I was 24 years old and had been working maybe for about six months there at the church. And uh, I was in this office with a bunch of other young 20-something know-it-alls. And um, we all knew everything, and you just needed to ask. And so we were having a conversation one day that was about cars, or that was something stupid. It didn't even matter. And me and another guy were both the kind of guys who were like ready, fire, aim type people. Do you know anyone like that? And um, so we were both like you know, taking shots at each other and giving our opinion and, and being real immature and stupid. And we had the conversation. I didn't really think anything of it. And, and I went on with the rest of my day. And a little bit later, I got a phone call from Tim Munn, the guy who was kind of over all this group of guys. And he said, hey, uh, Luke, I need to talk to you. My first thought was, uh-oh. At which if you, a few of you know Tim Munn, uh, that's your first thought when Tim says, I need to talk to you is, uh-oh. Um, what I do. And uh, we, I, he came in the, I came into his office and he said, listen, the way you talked with Matt earlier just was not respectful, wasn't kind, didn't honor Christ, wasn't good. You need to repent. You need to t- make it right. He gave me the truth. And, and I remember in that moment, I'll never forget this, I remember uh, actually laughing. I went... <laughs> And he's like, this isn't funny. What's funny? Why are you laughing? And I said, nobody ever does this. Nobody ever tells me stuff like this. Like, I assume I have all these blind spots in my life, and no one ever has the courage to tell me. And you are willing to tell me, and I don't know, maybe it's just out of awkwardness, but I'm just laughing because no one else will tell me this. And, and, And you know why I didn't run from it? You know why I didn't run from the truth? You know why I didn't run from the tension, which we'll talk about in a minute? It's because I knew he cared. He had shown over time. He wasn't in this for him. He was in this to develop me, to grow me. Don't you need people in your life like that? Don't you want to be a person like that? Some of you have all the truth. You have all the information. And you're thinking, why don't people listen to me? Because you have no touch. Because you're always making a point, but you're never making a difference. Why? Because you're lacking touch. I learned this early in my marriage when I would try to talk with my wife like I talked with my buddies. Guys, she's not your buddy. If you banter and trash talk with her, it isn't going to go well. You need to have touch. You need to have tenderness, which means you need to know different people. You need to know different situations. Uh, here's, this, here's this phrase that I love, and I've heard this quoted a number of times. I don't know who the original person to quote it is. So whenever I've heard a quote a bunch of times, and I don't know who originally said it, I just like to say, as I've always said. So, as I've always said, fairness is treating everyone differently. Fairness is treating everyone differently. Some of you are going to have a real problem with that statement. It's not in the Bible, okay? So I don't, I don't stand under the authority of God's word for that, but I think there's a truth to it. right? As I think about parenting my four kids, I can't parent them all the exact same way. I need to love them the same, but fairness, treating each of them fairly, is taking into account who they are and treating them with the kind of touch and the kind of tenderness that is specific to who they are. We need truth. We need touch. We also need tension. 
This is one that we're surrounded by. We're surrounded by tension. We're surrounded by controversy. But we're very often unwilling to really enter into the tension personally. We have a very difficult time with people that, that bring tension into our life. We try to run from that. We try to flee from that. But we really, really need it. And Paul says, one of my approaches as a leader was to bring the gentle nursing mother the touch, but I also brought tension. Look at what he says in verse uh, 10. He says, you are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, yes, I was like a nursing mother. I was tender. I was patient. But there were also moments where I was like a father who was exhorting you and charging you, right? The father who says, you can do better. you got to work harder. I had a great conversation with my 10-year-old yesterday saying, honey, when, when your sister gets under your skin, you are right to be upset. But you are way too thin-skinned. You've got you've to have a little more mental toughness or she's going to eat your lunch every day. What is that? That's saying, hey, Abby, enter into the tension. And when I have that conversation, that's a hard conversation. I don't like that. I would rather just say, honey, you're great. But we need tension to grow. I need Tim Mon saying, hey, come into my office. I've got to talk to you about something. And you need people in your life who will speak the truth and help you to embrace the tension that it creates. Do you have that? There are a couple people along the way in my life, and I continue to do this. And I encourage all of us, we got to do this, because this doesn't happen otherwise. The kind of people who seek out tension are typically not the people you want speaking in your life. Okay? So what you have to do is you have to go to someone and say, hey, here are the proverbial keys of my life, and I'm giving you permission to speak in. When you see something that is out of line with God's word, when you see something that is out of line with who you know, how, how you know I want to be, please bring it up. Right? This is where you're kind of saying, hey, I'm going to give you a junior Holy Spirit badge in my life, and I want you to speak in. And we need that. If we don't, we'll never grow. Listen, you know this with weight training. You know this with exercise, right? How do you get stronger? How do you build more muscle mass, right? Some of you are seeking to do this in the new year. Despite what Josh said, you should work out. Don't ignore him, okay? But, but you should work out. And if you're going to try to build muscle mass, if you're going to try to be strong, muscles grow under tension, right? That's why you lift weights. You put weight on. Right? If you do CrossFit or you do those kinds of workouts, you, you stretch yourself. Now, if you go too far, if there's too much tension, it breaks you or you pull a muscle. But if there's not enough tension, you go to the gym and you kind of move around, but you never, ever grow. Are you growing by embracing tension? Have you invited people into your life? Here's what it says in Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. We want people that just kiss. They just tell us how great we are. Say, oh yeah, me too, and I'm sorry, and oh yeah, you're right, you're right, oh yeah, they shouldn't have done that. We just want all the kisses. Kiss, kiss, kiss me. The scripture says only your enemies do that all the time. 
Because occasionally a a friend has to wound you. Occasionally a friend has to say, hey, I care about you so much that I've got to tell you the thing that you don't want to hear. Will you embrace that tension? This is how God grows us all the time, right? Do you notice how much the scriptures talk about trials and suffering? Why? Because we don't grow when it's easy. We grow when we're under tension. Even this passage talks about this. In verse 2, Paul says, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Paul says, everywhere we went, we experienced conflict. Everywhere we went, there was tension, and we still entered into it. Will you enter into the tension required to grow? Then the last piece that we need, the last thing that we need to grow is time. Is time. And here, I'm not talking mostly about intensity of time, right? That's helpful. Uh, If you can spend a lot of time around people that are helping you. If you can have a season where you can really intensely focus on something, that's valuable. And so I'm not not disregarding that, uh, but I'd think about that maybe more as touch, right? It's that intensity of, of time together or an intense season that you have the chance to go through. Those are great. But here, what I'm talking about is duration. It's a long time. Time is our friend when it comes to our growth. I was thinking about this earlier. I, I can't. I don't know for sure if I could tell you how exactly I grew in 2016. If I thought about it hard enough, I could come up with it. But I know I could tell you how I've grown in the last three years. Because it sometimes just takes that long. I I have a counselor that I talk to on a regular basis. um, And uh, this is an aside, but I just personally believe there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who need counseling, and there are liars. And so I have a counselor that is a godly man, and he helps me tremendously. Um, And one of the things that he says is, uh, if you want to see a permanent change in your life, oftentimes it takes two to three years. How's that for discouraging? So maybe maybe instead of making a New Year's resolution, you need to make a New Decades resolution, right? Now get this, that doesn't mean that short seasons of intense focus on something aren't important. They are. They, they make a big difference, right? If you talk to people that talk about habit formation, it doesn't always take two or three years to form a habit. Maybe it's 21 days, maybe it's six weeks, I don't know what it is. But, but, but all I'm saying here is that time is our friend. We sometimes get so hard on ourselves and so hard on other people because we don't see the change now. We want fireworks change, and God is in the business of glacial change. There are things that God changed as soon as I became a Christian. There are things that 20 years later, I am still fighting every day. And yet, here's what I believe. I believe what it says in Philippians 1.6 when Paul says that God who began a good work in me will bring it to completion for the day of Christ Jesus. God will do that. God is faithful. God is forming us by his word and by people with touch and with tension. And he's using time to form us into the image of Christ. I have a few older friends who are seasoned and their kids are grown. And they say this, which is, (laughs) I think, really true, but also kind of annoying. They say, don't judge your parenting until your kids are 30. I see some people shaking their heads. 
it's like, well, okay, I'd like a little more. I'd like a little more feedback to see if I'm on the right track. And, and you get that. But, but that's the idea. It, it's a long game. And I think sometimes we get so discouraged. We heap these expectations on ourselves. We heap these expectations on our children. We heap these expectations on people we lead, on people we love, because we want to see things change now. And listen, some things need to change now. But that doesn't mean they'll change permanently now. It means it's a long time focused on this. You go, okay, you haven't referenced 1 Thessalonians yet. You're right, I haven't. And I don't find this principle in, in 1 Thessalonians 2 exactly, but I find it in this whole process, right? Think about this. Paul shows up in Thessalonica. Then a while later, you can read about it in chapter 3, he sends Timothy back to check in on the church in Thessalonica. That's time, time for him to go there, time for him to come back. And then he writes one letter, and then he writes another letter. There's time involved. This is how the Apostle Paul worked. This is how Jesus works. Think about Jesus. Right? Jesus, everything he spoke was truth. Okay, got that. But Jesus also touched people. He cared for people. Read the Gospel of Luke and pay attention to every time it says that Jesus saw somebody. He saw them. He noticed them. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when there's this leper, this, these lepers that had this you know, horrible skin disease. They were thought to be unclean. No one could touch them. No one could go near them. They had to just stay away from everybody. And when Jesus encounters a leper and he says, what do you want me to do for you? The leper says, I want you to make me clean. I want you to heal me. And Jesus, who could have just said the words, reaches out his hand and touches him and says, be Jesus was all about the truth. Jesus was all about touch. And Jesus was all about tension. Think about the tension that happens when Jesus comes to the temple and starts overturning the tables of the money changers. That's tension. When Jesus is calling out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, that's tension. And then there's time. Jesus spent three years with 12 people. That's a long time. That's longer than this church has been around. And Jesus spent that with 12 guys. Why? And and he lost one of them. One of them went away, right? But but the other 11, it was time with them. So here's my question as you think about these four T's. Which one are you most kind of inclined to minimize? Oh, well, maybe that's for other people, but I I don't need that. Whatever that one is, I want to challenge you. Have the courage to lean into it this year. Maybe you're kind of a touch person. And uh, you flinch toward grace on everything. And maybe you need to lean into some truth. Maybe you need to lean into tension. Maybe you're a person that always knows what you think. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to lean into some touch. Maybe you're a person that's really impatient. Lean into time. Whatever it is. But you know the area where you go, oh, I don't like that. I don't want that. Have the courage to lean into it. And here's what I'll tell you. God will use it to grow you this year and through the rest of your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for how you work so faithfully in your people. God, the amazing promises of how you shape us and make us new. Uh, God, what good news. We thank you for that. God, I pray for us in this coming year. God, I pray that uh, as we study the book of Acts and as we live life together in community, that you would grow us.
through your truth, you'd surround us with and help us to be people who, who are tender and who touch and who care for one another. God, I pray that you would help us to embrace the tensions that we face. Not to stir up needless division or controversy, but to walk into tensions and trials and suffering that helps us grow and to embrace it. And Lord, would you allow us to be patient? Would you allow us to take time to see you work? Lord, we pray for that and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.